Right, good morning. So we're teaching at the moment on a series on faith. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Adam was uh, speaking about not necessarily having enormous faith or great faith, but having enough faith. Enough faith to take the next step that God seems to be prompting us to. And then last week, uh, it was lovely to have a Maori teaching us. Um, and he was talking about faith and feelings and foundations. About trusting what God has said through the scriptures more than merely how we might be feeling at any particular time. And that's really a really key lesson for us. And this morning, I want to talk about something related to all that, but a little bit different. I want to talk about faithfulness this morning. Faithfulness. So what is that word, faithfulness? What does it mean? One of the problems with being around church um, for, for a long time, or having grown up in, within a kind of Christian bubble, um, is that you, there are some words and some phrases that become so familiar that we say them, whoops, we say them, or we sing them, without even stopping or pausing to think about what they really mean. And it's a bit like that with faithfulness. It's a kind of Christian word that we kind of easily, um, easily tend to sort of talk about and use without necessarily thinking what it means. There is no single English word that completely equates to the full range of meanings that the Bible uses uh, in, in the word that the Bible use, translates as faithfulness. But it, the concept carries a number of overlapping ideas, and I'll give you a couple of a few other words that carry the same meaning or parts of that meaning. Trustworthy. Trustworthy. Loyal. Consistently dependable. Humbly obedient. Refusing to give up even when things are difficult. Promise-keeping. Unwavering in fulfilling commitments. Just kind of roll those words around in your mind for a minute. Trustworthy, loyal, consistently dependable, humbly obedient, promise-keeping, Refusing to give up even when things are difficult. Unwavering in fulfilling commitments. Reminds me of the title of a book um, by a guy called Eugene Peterson. He wrote The Message, paraphrase of the Bible. He wrote a book not long uh, before he died, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That's kind of carries the same idea of faithfulness, a long obedience in the same direction. So why is faithfulness important? What's the big deal about faithfulness? Well, because it's a fundamental characteristic of our Father himself. And it's supremely modelled in the life of Jesus. Faithfulness is central, it's fundamental to what it means to be Christ-like. If we want to be like Jesus, one of the fundamental characteristics is faithfulness in terms of those words I've, I've used. And the Holy Spirit, who is at work amongst us and within us, is determined to reproduce that family likeness in us. 
Let's just pause for a minute. And let's um, see if you can call to mind things in the life of Jesus where he demonstrated faithfulness. You might want to close your eyes for a minute. Just call to mind situations where he was trustworthy, loyal, consistently dependable, promise-keeping, unwavering in fulfilling commitments, refusing to give up. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to reproduce some of those characteristics in us, to dig deep into our lives, to make us faithful people. So, there are, it seems to me, uh, in Scripture, three main ways, three main areas where we're called to demonstrate faithfulness. Faithfulness in relationships, faithfulness to the truth, and faithfulness in serving. Three places where faithfulness is specifically referred to and called for in Scripture. And I want to explore just briefly what faithfulness looks like in each of those areas and what are some of the challenges to faithfulness in those areas. So firstly, faithfulness in relationships. Now I know we typically use the word faithful in the context of marriage and that's true and that's important but it applies much wider than that to our relationships much more generally within the body of Christ. A few recent examples. It was an absolute delight on Tuesday. Uh, we went out and had a meal with Mary and Celeste. Um, had lunch with them, and there was, I don't know, a couple of dozen of us or so uh, in a restaurant. And it was really, really good to look around and see friends who've been part of our journey, who've been in relationship with us, with whom we've linked and colleagues in ministry for some 25 years. That was precious, looking around and seeing those folks. 25 years of walking together in faithful friendship. Going back a, a just a few weeks, uh, we, had, uh, we were celebrating Steve Gaylord's birthday. And uh, we went down the pub and had a really good evening. And it was great to be with friends there. A, a, another circle of friends, some of the same, some additional ones. Folks that I know that I'd been known and been serving God alongside 30 plus years ago. I was really good to see those people and to see how they're still pressing on with God, still serving God, still determined to follow through, still growing. Faithfulness in relationships. And of course there's friends in this room. I can see some of you. I mean, if you're new here, it's wonderful to welcome you. But there are folks in this room who we've been walking together, serving God together, seeking to pursue him together for 30 or more years. That's important. Friends in this room who go way back and have remained faithful through all the ups and downs of YCC. And I just want to say quite publicly, thank you. Thank you for your loyal friendship down through the years. It's important. 
And the New Testament is full of those sorts of close, committed, loyal, faithful friendships. Jesus himself was, had deeply committed relationships with those, uh, particularly with the 12 disciples that, f- that were close to, closest to him. Paul, again, uh, always loved to work in team with people alongside him. And when they weren't there, he missed them. I, I love the little passage in, uh, in 2 Corinthians where Paul talks about how he was traveling and he, he got to Troas, a place called Troas, and he said, uh, but I didn't find my dear brother Titus there. So even though there was a great opportunity, I didn't stop around because I wanted to be with Titus. That's faithful friendships. But, but that sort of loyal friendship is not merely sticking with those that we happen to agree with, those who we really like and get on well with and everything's easy and, and nice. That's not faithful friendship. You see, in, particularly at the moment, in politics and in public life, people's loyalty is often judged on the basis of how much they agree with the guy who's the leader. And if they agree with him and will always support him and always back him up and always vote with him or whatever, or her, um, then you know, they're, they're, they're loyal. And if, and if they have a challenge or question, well, too often they're quickly sort of sidelined or dumped. That's not how biblical loyalty, biblical faithfulness in relationships works. That's not how it works. Proverbs 27.6 says this, faithful are the wounds of a friend. The point is, we are called to love each other and care for each other and show loyalty to each other such that I couldn't possibly not talk to you if I think maybe you're struggling. I love you too much not to sometimes and humbly challenge. I care for you far too much not to sometimes humbly question maybe even humbly rebuke. We need that sort of robust friendships. Those are faithful friendships where we don't demand that everybody agree with us about everything. We will walk alongside each other with loyalty. We will be trustworthy, and that means sometimes we will have the harder conversations. quote a, a songwriter that some of you may have heard of, a guy called Dave Barnes. He wrote a, wrote a song, and okay, it's in the context of romantic relationships rather than um, the sort of that we're talking about here, but he says, God gave me you for the ups and downs. God gave me you for the days of doubt. For when I think I've lost my way and there are no words left to say it's true, God gave me you. And again, I want to say thank you to folks in this room. God gave me you and you and you. God gives us each other as faithful friends. So what are some of the challenges to faithfulness in our relationships? Well, the main one, it seems to me, is this. Loyalty has two sides. And giving loyalty, commitment to somebody in relationship, involves risk. It is hard And we feel real pain when those with whom we have walked closely sometimes choose to walk away or maybe just drift away or the relationship gets strained. That can be really, really hard. We see it in Scripture in the Old Testament. Moses encountered something like that. 
where people started, the relationships with um, Aaron and, and Miriam got strained. In the New Testament, Jesus himself one time has to say to the disciples, are you also going to leave me? And Paul, at the end of his life, when he was in a, being tr on trial for his life, admitted that most people had just abandoned him at that moment. It's hard. The challenge to faithfulness in relationship is it's hard because sometimes things do break down. When it seems that a relationship, a key relationship is under strain and at risk of breaking down, can I just throw out two little reminders that may, may prove helpful for you. If you feel misjudged, and misunderstood, don't rush to defend yourself. Leave it to God. Don't rush to defend yourself. Leave it to God. If a relationship is under strain, we don't need to rush to our own defense. God can take care of it. And secondly, if things do start drifting apart, whatever else we do, pray blessing on the other person. When someone, you know, if, if you move apart, if, if a relationship gets broken, just anyway, pray for God to bless them, for God to do them good, for the things that you would long for yourself, for God to give them a double portion of that. Always pray blessing on the other person. But it can be hard when things um, break down, and sometimes that makes us a bit cautious about going too deep in faithfulness, in loyalty, in commitment, in relationship. But I would simply say this, investing in deep, faithful relationships is worth the risk. It is worth the risk. No, that's the wrong one. Try that one. That's got, that one's got water in it. Okay, second point. Faithfulness to the truth. Paul pleads with Timothy, someone he was mentoring, to remain faithful to the things you've been taught. And that's a recurring theme through the New Testament. Remaining faithful to the truth, to the things they've been taught. Paul tells the, the, the leaders at Ephesus that he has been faithful by fully, decla fully declaring God's truth to them. And he counsels Timothy later on to entrust the truth to faithful leaders who will be able to instruct others as well. He regularly affirmed specific colleagues, named them in some of his letters, who he knew were faithful in holding on to the message of Jesus while also warning about others who were clearly distorting the truth, maybe for personal gain, or maybe they were just becoming preoccupied with secondary matters. Can I just repeat something I, I actually shared uh, back last year? The fundamental truths concerning Jesus and his kingdom, on which our faith are ba is based, are not simply matters of personal opinion or private perspective. Nor is every opinion equally consistent with the faith that was once for all delivered to God's people. Not every viewpoint, and there are different viewpoints on, on various things, but not every viewpoint is equally consistent with the faith that was once for all entrusted to us. The apostles were clear that there are some things that are matters of personal conviction and we should always steer clear of getting into pointless arguments and disputes about secondary matters. It doesn't do any good. But equally, there are fundamentals of the faith that are of central importance 
And to be faithful does mean that we are prepared both to live by them ourselves and strongly contend for them with others. As Amari was stressing last week, if we want to be able to distinguish these core truths, we need to become and we need to remain deeply rooted in Scripture. I was reading, I'm currently reading a a commentary, and there's a, a, a quote in the introduction, or a phrase in the introduction that struck me very powerfully. And the author says, There is no more urgent need for God's people than to recover confidence and competence in our reading of Scripture. And we do need that. We need to be confident and competent in how we read the Scriptures. So what are the challenges to maintaining faithfulness to the truth, if that's so important? Well, couple of things really I'd mention. One is risking unpopularity or even ridicule by maintaining convictions that run counter to popular culture. You see, we all like to be liked. We all want to be respected and admired. And it can be hard to swim against the tide of prevailing opinion and to say the true but uncomfortable thing, the true but unpopular thing. That can be hard. That's a challenge. How do we do that graciously? So a challenge to being faithful to the truth is, are we willing when necessary and graciously to say the true but unpopular thing? And secondly, and at the same time, we need to maintain a humble and receptive heart while we weigh the things that we read, the things that we hear, the things that we see. Um, I was reminded uh, last week, upstairs here in this building, there's a whole wall full of books. It's rather generously described as a library. I think that might be a little generous. But anyway, there's a lot of books upstairs. They're ones that have been donated to the church. There's a few there, not that many, but a few there that I've read and would absolutely endorse. There's loads and loads that I've never read. But I'm pretty certain that there will be at least some there that if I did read them, I would have some reservations about. Maybe views that I wouldn't entirely want to endorse. But you see, we need to be and we want to be open to God revealing new things to us, but not so open that our biblical brains fall out. We need to learn to weigh what we hear, what we see. You know, Paul himself said, you know, even if he turned up and was sharing stuff that wasn't consistent with the fundamental truths, then people should reject that as well. They should weigh what even he said. You should weigh what we say from, from up here. Weigh it by what you know of God in Scripture. Weigh it. Being open and receptive but weighing it. Thirdly, faithfulness in serving. When Jesus himself talks about faithfulness, it's mainly in the context of serving. So in Matthew 24, he says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master will put in charge of the servants in his household? And the idea of being faithful in God's household, i.e. amongst God's people, 
is actually quite a key idea. Back in the Old Testament, Numbers, uh, in Numbers 12, Moses is spoken of as being faithful in all of God's house, being entrusted with God's household. And Hebrews 3 talks about, in a similar way, how Jesus is a faithful servant carrying responsibility for the church. So the primary emphasis here it seems to be especially on call, our calling to be faithful in serving amongst God's people. And you might remember, if you know the, some of the parables, the parable in Matthew 25, are where Jesus is talking about the three servants, and they're each given some, a bag of gold or some money, a certain amount of money, and, so, and the, the, guy, the master goes away and says, um, I'm going to come back, but you see what you can do with this, and each of them are called to be faithful with this. And at the end of it, he says to at least two of the uh, servants, well done, good and faithful servant, because they've been trustworthy and diligent with what he's given them. So the primary idea there seems to be being faithful means that we strive to use what we've been given. Maybe it's our gifts, maybe it's our resources, maybe it's our time, it might be our money, our relationships, our situations. We use them And we are to prove reliable, dependable, and trustworthy before God in consistently discharging our responsibility with what he's given us. And as I look around here, I can see many who are doing exactly that. There are some of them out in the children's ministry time as well. Using the gifts they've got, taking seriously their sense of responsibility to be faithful in serving Some do that within a very specific, recognized ministry. But a lot of folks are doing that in relatively hidden ways, in less visible but equally vital ways. I was talking with some friends just a few days ago and just reminded how much care and genuine um, kindness, acts of kindness, goes on quite unnoticed by most people within the church. And that's brilliant. So being faithful with what God's given us, being faithful in our serving. So again, I want to say thank you to those who are busy doing that even when it's not noticed. And the main challenge to faithfulness in serving? Well, it's it's patience and persistence, isn't it? Patience and persistence. Keeping on, keeping on is really hard sometimes when we don't necessarily see the quick results that we're rather hoping for. In that parable of the three servants, the king was away for a long time on a long trip. And the servants had to prove their faithfulness in continuing to diligently keep on serving with what they'd been given until the king returned. God is always playing the long game. God is always playing the long game. We're talking about lives being transformed That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's transforming lives, and that takes time. For most of us, it actually takes a lifetime. At the end of his life serving Jesus, Paul says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. In the list of qualities that the Spirit is seeking to produce in us, patience is very close to faithfulness. So how do we sustain faithful commitment? just a couple of suggestions, really helps to be part of a supportive team. Trying to do it on your own is really hard. Being part of a supportive team so that when one of us grows weary, which we can do, 
that others can encourage. And secondly, it's vital to be clear who has called us and who we're serving. Because if you're involved in serving, whether in a recognised area or sort of under the radar a little bit, if it's merely the church or, heaven forbid, the leadership team who've sort of got you doing that, then we are likely to quickly grow quite tired and maybe even be prone to quit. But we need to remember we are serving Jesus. Only that conviction that it is him that we're serving will sustain us in the, through the dry periods. And finally, just to touch on a couple of other areas. What are the rewards for faithfulness? Now, certainly from my Christian background, we tend to be quite reluctant to talk in terms of rewards. It seems kind of unspiritual to talk in those terms. In fact, there's a, a well-known Anglican prayer attributed to uh, uh, St. Ignatius uh, that goes along the lines of, to labour and not to ask for any reward, save that of knowing that we are doing your will. I've actually prayed that in various contexts. And that sounds terribly spiritual, really, really spiritual, but I'm just not sure it's entirely true. I mean, there's some truth in it, but as far as I can see, it's not quite what we find in the New Testament. Jesus himself, Matthew 6, is, is perfectly clear that there is such a thing as reward. And so were the first, first apostles like Paul. They speak very clearly about reward in the age to come for those who have been faithful, for those who have endured, for those who have kept going, who have overcome, who have stayed true to Jesus. Paul himself says at the end of 2 Timothy, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about the reward or the loss that we as servants receive based on what we have helped to build into the lives of others. There is such a thing as a reward on the basis of what we built into the life, invested in the lives of others. And while the main emphasis that I've been touching on relates to God's household, i.e. the church, the New Testament also speaks about those who serve human bosses and how we're to see our role as actually working there for Jesus, from whom we also will receive a reward. If I read it rightly, this future reward is expressed in terms of recognition and responsibility. Recognition in the age to come is often metaphorically um, referred to in terms of crowns, receiving a crown. What on earth does that mean? Well, it, the word implies a bit, something a bit like an Olympic gold medal, that sort of um, mark of having succeeded. As Jesus himself makes clear, we don't need to be concerned about whether we receive recognition here and now, whether people notice us, affirm us, thank us, congratulate us. We don't need to be worried about that in the here and now. God sees it, and he will ensure that when he returns as king, there is due recognition. And the second idea is, is one of responsibility in the coming kingdom. If we've proved ourselves trustworthy in handling the limited responsibilities that we have now, we, in this present age, we will be entrusted with greater responsibility in the age to come. And how do we grow in faithfulness? It's all about the little things. 
all about the little things. We need to develop conscious habits of practicing being trustworthy each day in the little things. That's what Jesus was saying. You have been talking to his servants in the parable. You have been faithful in a little, therefore I will give you greater responsibility. In fact, in Luke's version, in Luke 19, Jesus says, you know, you've been faithful in, in looking after these limited uh, resources I gave you. I'm going to put you in charge of ten cities. Oh, my goodness me. I wonder whether that was purely metaphorical or whether Jesus means that a bit more literally in the age to come. You have been faithful in the little I entrusted to you, he says, so you will be governor over ten cities as your reward. So, identify something that might seem quite small, whether it's at home or at college or at work or in any setting where you work. Identify something quite small and determine to be utterly and consistently faithful in handling that small thing, especially when no one else is looking and no one notices, but God does. That, Jesus said, is the path for growth. Concentrate on the little things. So faithfulness. Faithfulness in our relationships. Faithfulness to the truth. Faithfulness in serving. I'd like to just pause now and pray for us. Um, you always think about you know, how, what sort of response is God looking for in these situations. And, you know, oh, I'd like everybody who's serving to get up and stand up. But that can be a little bit sort of awkward. Well, what qualifies and what counts? And anyway, we're not supposed to be doing it to be received praise from other people. So you can, stay, you can stay sitting down. That's okay. But I'd like to pray for you. Father, I thank you for each person in this room. And I thank you particularly for those that I've known over many years whose faithfulness in friendship whose faithfulness to the truth and whose faithfulness in serving has been so valuable and Father I pray for them now that they would not grow weary in well doing they would not grow tired but you would encourage them you'd put them alongside others who can walk and share the journey with them Father, will you encourage each of us as we seek to serve you? And finally, I'd just like to say, if you have really come to appreciate certain friendships, faithful, loyal, trustworthy friendships down the years, why don't you take the opportunity at the end, um, when we're having coffee, to... Uh, to go and tell somebody that you really appreciate that because we do take it for granted yeah let's have the band up thank you um, yeah go and talk to people and say how much they've really appreciated you've really appreciated their friendship their support their walking alongside you how you valued faithful relationships and if perhaps there are one or two of those relationships that are under a little bit of strain this morning will be a great time to put them right thanks